Hi, I'm Dennis. Hi, I'm Linda. And welcome to the Next Gen Business Podcast. Let's go. The Next Gen Business Podcast is produced by the Small Business Community Network. Visit them online at www.sbcncanada.org. Well, Linda, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm so excited to actually meet this wonderful guest in person. Um, I guess it'd be nice if uh, you could introduce him, Dennis. Well, David Gilbert is um, one of the mainstays in the Canadian voiceover industry. Um, He's been involved in the voiceover industry for many years, and he's a wonderful personality. He's lots of great stories to tell. And um, I actually got to know him uh, several years ago when he became uh, a very, very gracious mentor to me (laughs) in my voiceover journey. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So um, I'm very pleased to meet you, David. Um, I've not met you before, so it's lovely to see you. And I was kind of, um, now we connected on LinkedIn. I was really, really interested in something you said on LinkedIn. And it would appear you care very much about communication. And you said these exact words, let me quote, if you take just one thing away from reading this, let it be that I am someone who deeply cares about building genuine connections with people and how badly I believe we need to communicate with each other now more than ever on a human-to-human level in today's world. Did you say that, David? <laughs> I, I did say that. I did write it on my, on my uh, profile. Uh, I have to give somewhat of a credit to uh, the original seed of that idea was uh, Bev Standing, who's a wonderful voice actor in the Toronto area. Um, because in a way, I mean, what I do is I help you communicate, uh, connect your words to your audience, right? But at a deeper level, we all need to be connected. And I think the, I just have this philosophy that over the last I don't know, 15 or so years, 20 years, with the advent of all the new technologies, we've disconnected from each other. And the more we can connect and actually have meaningful conversations, relationships with each other, the more we won't be so divided. Because I think there's more that unites us than divides us. It's just that we get into our our, uh, tribes and we don't really open our ears to other people. So I'm always open to meeting people and I've, you know, I've built up a large network on LinkedIn and I just like to help people and, and hear their stories. Um, yeah. I have to say, David, you've got a wonderful voice. I could listen to you forever. And you're not talking about artificial intelligence, are you, though? This is nothing to do with that taking over a lot of our lives at the moment. This is completely different. Yeah, and and you know to that to that point, I I heard a, a, an excellent retort to that, and I, I apologize, I can't remember the person's name, but they said that while the current AI generative AI voices out there, they sound good, but they lack soul, and that really stuck to me. It's like you can have something that sounds good, but we know it's not human. And, you know, I, I'm old enough of a generation to know about 2001, the Space Odyssey and HAL 9000 and all that stuff. And 
I am kind of nervous, not so much in AI taking away my work because I don't really delve into the low end uh, work, uh, but I'm really concerned that you've got this really crazy advancements in chat GPT and all the AI stuff, and you've got the Boston Dynamics robotics becoming incredible. When those two things come together, that's what I'm concerned, concerned about. So, Thank you. Thank you. That's a wonderful answer to my question, isn't it, Dennis? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, David, I was wondering if, if we could delve back into your past a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no blackmail involved, right? No, I just, I'm just, just really curious because I, I know that you're originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba, and that you had an extensive career in sales and marketing before. So, could you tell us a, a little bit about how you made the transition into voiceover and when? Well, how how much time do you have? <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll give this sort of the, the anthology as quick as I can. So uh, I, I grew up in Winnipeg, which was you know, two seasons, winter and mosquitoes. Uh, very rambunctious kid, loved to watch Saturday morning cartoons and make some very funny voices. And, and uh, you know, I didn't really do anything much about that. Went on with my life. My dad uh, got transferred to Toronto. So, you know, I moved, obviously, I was 13. Uh 26, uh, well, I went to Ryerson University, had a professor say, oh, you've got a good baritone voice. Have you considered doing radio or you should do radio? I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, 19 years old, what the hell do I know? This is like early 90s. So I ended up moving to London, Ontario for a job. And I don't know why or how, but I ended up going into a studio, talked to the manager owner. He says, well, we mostly do corporate videos here and we, and we bring a gentleman in who went to Juilliard. I'm like, okay. Thanks. I'll just shelve that dream because I hadn't even done a high school play at that point. And off I went into, into consumer packaged goods. Took I, I mimicked my dad's career by starting and buying. And in fact, I my dad's old boss from 20 years before hired me at the company in London. So that was really kind of a weird, strange thing. Uh, had a kid, moved back to Toronto. Uh, other, other sales and marketing jobs. Uh, 2016, I was downsized from the company I was at. And combination of my buddy saying, hey, what about that radio thing? And uh, my daughter was taking acting lessons and the, 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 um, uh, the coach or whatever you want to call him, the teacher says, hey, well, you know, you've got a good voice. Have you, have you considered doing voiceover? I'm like, no. And I went home that night and I'm telling you, you know, what's voiceover? How do I get started? And, and so back then when he needed a voiceover for something, it was expensive. It was a union talent. It was a studio and blah, blah, blah. Fast forward 20 years, now there's all this non-union work and you can do it from your home studio and all these different genres. And so I thought, okay, well, this is something I'd, I I feel like I can get away from the corporate rat race. So I took my severance, my savings and jumped right in. So now that bring, gives me a little bit of a different perspective to what I'm doing. I almost feel like and I'm not, somebody else has something similar. I, I feel like an entrepreneur who does voiceover as opposed to a voice actor who's an entrepreneur. Uh, because I have that critical thinking mindset, the creative mindset that that I see connections between different things. And I think we talked, uh, Dennis, how I was talking about uh, your, um, your expertise and going, well, there's an opportunity there if you connect those dots. So I, I like I, like I said, when I left 
one job years ago to become a, I switched sides of the table from being a buyer to a seller. Uh, I said, I knew what not to do. I just had to learn what to do. So that's the same with this. I knew sort of the business stuff and accounting and all that fun stuff. I just need to learn how to like talk without coming across like that, which nobody wants to hear, right? So <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> I thank you very much. In a nice way. That was a great question, Dennis. I think I think we've we've got to the bottom of how we became here. So um I'm not a voiceover person, not motivational speaker. Um I'm from England. I've got a weird accent. Dennis, on the other hand, when I first met Dennis, I love, I still love your voice, Dennis, don't I? And when he told me he also delves into the, you know, the voiceover, I think that's wonderful because I think you, you must have to have a certain kind of voice, David. Do you know what I mean? Honestly, honestly speaking, your voice, the quality of your voice, this thing here, this sort of the whole thing that's 10 to 15% of your success. Because if you don't know, I could hand you a $200 hammer. If you use the same way as the dollar store hammer, it's still a hammer, right? If you don't know how to use it, if you don't know how to take the most salesy copy ever, introducing, save now, and make it sound like you're talking to Dennis on the couch, it doesn't matter. So it's, it's how you sound is really a function, and I, I pull this from Dave Wall. She has a true tell method. It's basically a formula. How you sound is is a, is a, an equation of what are you saying, who are you saying it to, why are you saying it, all the who, what, when, where, why stuff. If you don't have that, look at all the the the, the actors you see on on big movies that you you're engrossed in the character. They're just saying words. Their voices are not necessarily good or bad. It's just that you believe that they are that character. I'd be sorry for trouble. I'd be no good at this because I only just had to read what I got off LinkedIn for you and I felt it wasn't good for me, whereas... That's just training. I prefer to just jump on the stage and, you know, be the keynote speaker, tell my stories, do what, you know, I'm there, and then it's more natural for me. Um, I had a TV show on Rogers and they tried to get me and my co-host to read this introduction, to introduce ourselves, and it was much more natural when we didn't have to do that, whereas Dennis, you're much better at this, aren't you, Dennis? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that, Linda. I think you're fine. <laughs> I, I actually, no, really, uh, I'm not trying to butter you up. I really do think, I, you know, I find it kind of, I guess we're all our own worst critics because uh, for me, you seem like um, very professional when, you're, when you've got a camera on you. Um, so. But I don't use a script. So, here, so here, here's, a, here's a perfect example. If you were to tell me a bunch of stories about your family, and I wrote you out a script, right? And you had two presentations of five minutes each. One is hop on stage, talk about your family. The other one, you had to read my words, right? You probably, without practice, would stumble all over the place reading my words because they're not your words. But when you're able to read the words and make it sound like your words, then it'll sound like off the cuff. Oh my God. And, and my cousin, Edith, wow, is she ever, you know, but that that's, it's a skill. I, I saw Simon Sinek talk one time um, in Toronto. He got asked, well, how, how, and this is more of introvert, extrovert, but the, the part I was going to get to is 
how can you, if you say you're an introvert, how can you stand in front of, you know, 5,000 people and give talks? He says, that's public speaking is a learned skill, right? It's a learned skill. You can learn how to speak in public. And there's Toastmasters and other organizations that do that. I disagree, though. Seriously, I'm jumping in again. I've seen many Toastmasters on stage and they are so stiff and they're like robots. I think the best speakers I've ever heard and I really admire in my, you know, before COVID when I was, you know, traveling the world speaking, are the ones who are not trained and are natural because they, they, they know what they sound like and they know why they're doing it. Now, I've heard that guy speak, but I didn't know he was trained in any way. It's not so much trained. It's a, you practice it. Even... I saw, uh, what's his name? Bouchard is uh, a business guy. Is not Lucien, um, American guy. Anyways, um, and the way he he talks, where he tells his his spiel, is as a story, right? And he reaches a, a, a pivot point, and he sort of goes off on a tangent, comes back, and it continues the story. So, it, if you practice that that hour or 45 minute talk, not necessarily every single word. Like I did this, uh, a storytelling class at um, second city and you just learn techniques to, I mean, you, you could tell a story of your, of your life without having to have any script or like you can get up on stage in 45 minutes from childhood to today. Yeah. I think for me, it's more natural because I'm not really a salesperson. I'm not selling anything. I'm either talking about health and wellness or business or branding. So I'm going to disagree with that. I think you'd need more training for what you guys excel at. And yes, I think you do excel at it, Dennis. I don't know you did. I think if I wanted to do what you guys do, then I would need the training. Like I had to stand up on stage in England and do a, you know, had some words in a play and I couldn't do it. I, it's just not my comfort zone. So I'm not disagreeing that some people need to be trained, but I'm a natural speaker. I, I'm a conversational speaker. So, but if I was doing what you were doing, I'd be going, um, yes, if you take just one thing of, and then my voice would change and I'd sound posh and it wouldn't be me. So Dennis, what is it you admire very much about David because he's actually doing exactly, you know, what he's good at and what you are building up to make your full-time career? What is it you think you admire the most about what David is doing or has done? Um, well, I think the main thing is, uh, and what attracted me um, to him initially was um, his approachability and um, the sense that he still very much, sorry to make you feel embarrassed, David. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I just get the impression like you, you've got your your feet on the ground still um, because um, it, as with anything connected to kind of broadcasting or entertainment there's always this sense in which it's it takes people away from their authenticity right and whereas i feel with david he's very much like a very approachable personable uh person who values human connections right so i felt very easy I, I, I agree. And also, coming on our show when you're so busy, I mean, but then again, I could say that about anybody who comes on any of our, well, any of my shows and, and this show, which is Dennis's as well. And I think that's why you're successful, you know, because you're so approachable and you don't think you're God or something, you know, 
you know what you're doing it you're passionate about it but you haven't kind of turned into the royal family and we have to kind of you know bow down to you <laughs> hey when i'm making seven figures we may have a different conversation you, you may have to pay for my time i don't know it's so i love your honesty and your transparency don't you dennis yes yeah I, I've always been like this. It's not something I put on. It's not something I try to do. And to your point earlier, authenticity, if it's if you're speaking from a place of your own true self, then it, it comes out naturally, right? If as soon as you try to sell me something or tell me something, I mean, I can sense it myself sometimes if I'm doing an e-learning project and eh, like my voice goes higher to try and say this is what's important to you. No. And I don't want to go lower because then it sounds like I'm trying to, you know, but you, it's, it's having that like this sound, this is me, this is my sound. And it's, it's, well, sorry, this is my voice. The sound is whatever. But I think if we in general, like if you, when you're talking to people and if, if, we have really strong BS meters. We know when we're being lied to, sold to, whatever. But if you come across as being very authentic and you, Dennis, and you're talking to people, they will connect. You'll be able to connect with them. They, they know that you're not trying to pull something over their eyes. So, Can I just ask you a question related to that? Like if you were to, uh, were to uh, assess the, the one quality that you had, uh, um, that allowed you to be a success when you first got into voiceover? Um, because I, I realize, of course, your sales and marketing background really stood you in good stead. But there, what, what was it about your personality or what particular skill set did you have apart from that, which allowed you to make a success of this? I, I went through a, a, a period one thing I'd say is is patience. Once I learned that patience is important, um, but it wasn't until the fall of late summer of 2016 when uh, I was because I was in a corporate environment when I didn't have to enunciate clearly, so I would had a bit of a slurry voice. Uh, my my demo producer coach got me on got me hooked up with a a vocal a vocal coach. Uh, beautiful, beautiful woman, um, Denise Woods, and she she's on set with you know Denzel Washington and all these like celebrities doing you know because she helps them with dialects and well, whatnot. So, anyways, I had uh, five, four sessions with her. In the second session, she goes to me, David, do you do you have a lot of stress in your life? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, because I'm trying to like push the boulder up a hill. And she goes, I can hear it. And I'm like, oh. So she said, anything that's here is coming out here. And immediately I thought, okay, all those past mental health demons that I've been pushing aside, I got to deal with. So I started to take some get some mental health uh, uh, looked at. And it wasn't till then, since I probably learned more about myself in the last five to six years than I had in the previous many. <laughs> um, so self-awareness, if you don't even know what's, what's driving you and why you're doing the things you're doing, then you can't be in that calm state. And of course, I, you know, I don't do meditation, but I know it's supposed to be good and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's, it's, if you don't have that, 
once you have more of it, I understand, oh, this is why I'm doing that. This under I understood what my career was I was a passenger on my bus. I wasn't driving the bus. I was a passenger. I was going, I was always leaving something instead of going to something. So all this stuff together, plus understanding the patience. And you know, if I told myself seven years ago, hey, it's gonna take longer than you think, relax. Like just chill out. Don't rush things. As soon as you start to rush things, things don't work out. So So how do you get your clients? I mean, in the early days, I'm sure you reached out. Do you have like an organization, like I have a speakers bureau, get me clients. So is that the same thing for you? Someone gets you the clients? Now, in, in the voiceover business, you ask 100 voice actors, you find get 100 different answers. And there isn't one way to get voice work. There are casting sites, there are agents, there's direct marketing, there is, you know, a number of different avenues. I have focused on networking and uh, direct marketing. So reaching out directly to people. Um, that's how I built up, you know, a, a network on LinkedIn of over 14,000 connections. And I've attended over 300 in-person events. So like I, I focused on that. Other people I know do extremely well on ca online casting sites. I know some people who get the vast majority of their business through agents. There's no one, I think if you dedicate the time to any avenue, then you'll be successful in that avenue because you're putting the time, right? So you're using speaker speaker guild or speaker of that, that you know, that, then that's gonna get you work. If there are any new speakers out there listening to this, sorry, not speakers, voiceover people who want to wanna grow the business and be paid for it, I mean, I, I often tell the up-and-coming, you know, speakers, well, I did a lot of free before people recognised I was worth paying. So is it the same in your industry? They're going to have to do some free stuff or can they jump in and be paid immediately? Free stuff is a double-edged sword because, A, yes, I would only do. I would only even consider doing pro bono stuff. It was if it was for an organization that literally had no money, that it was uh, important to my core being, right? So there's a, a connection there, and I'm doing them a favor, not like an ongoing you no know, thing. I know that if I ever wanted to go union, and I'm non-union myself, that I would have to be at a such a level right, to compete with them, because I'd be auditioning with people who have been in the business for 15, 20 years, 25 years. So the first thing I ever suggest, and I get two or three emails a week, hey, I'd like to get into voiceover, what do I do? I say first, go get some acting lessons. Get get a good, it's voice acting. It's like you're building a house, you got to build a good foundation for it. You don't, you don't start looking at the drapes and go, oh, look at those drapes. No. Uh, what microphone should I buy? Well, how many acting lessons have you had? Well, none. Forget the microphone, right? Get some voice acting, get some acting lessons, get some, take some improv classes. I went to the Second City program. Um, and then get involved in the community. And, you know, if once you get involved, you'll meet people. That's how, you know, we met. And, and, and then you hear, okay, what are you doing? How do you, wh where are you getting coaching from? And then you get voice acting class. Then you get the best mic. Then you figure out where you're going to record because I'm a big proponent of the, the the location, the booth area. It doesn't have to be a four thousand dollar you know whisper room, just a quiet spot. If it's your walk-in closet, fine. Find the space first, then you get the microphone, then you get the other stuff. So you're and you build from there. You don't say, "Well, I got to start a." What other business can you start for less than a thousand dollars? Like 
that I mean, to get started, you don't have to go out and buy an expensive booth or expensive microphones. And you've ticked all my boxes. You've ticked all my boxes because you say exactly what we're in different lines of work. But basically, you've talked about the networking, the connecting, the building relationships. Don't spend too much money in the beginning. You don't have to reach out to community. Dennis, I love this guy. Why have you been hiding him from me? And why have we never connected on LinkedIn before? This is ridiculous. So, Dennis, I'm guessing, in a way, David is one of your mentors, or would that be a presumption for me to make? Yeah, no, he he definitely is. Um, He's a mentor and... We're due for a call. We're due for. I'm holding you accountable. We're due for a call. Yes, indeed, right. Uh, also, a role model as well because um, uh, he's really. It's really quite good the way in which he is able to have the balance between the art of voiceover and also the business of voiceover. And a lot of people don't get the balance right, right. So it's uh, he's a very good. It's funny you say that because I've heard the phrase voiceovers as opposed to on-screen acting is a blend is a a blend of art and art and commerce right you've got the performance but you have the business you're not going to have that with an on-screen actor going to x uh, well uh one of one of my clients is a is, is a architectural architectural glass manufacturer in montreal an actor wouldn't go there and go hi i want to be uh, they, like they wouldn't understand that the, they need a, a voice for a a, a uh, glazing uh, how to how to install these this glass you know the glass. that's not in their fort they're like where's an audition where's the next casting call right so it's a combination because you have commercial it's mostly a commercial aspect but you also have to have the acting side so I could listen to you all night. I think, Dennis, you're going to have to have one last question and we're going to have to let this busy man go because I could listen to you all night. You're amazing. You really are. Wow. Um, well, I, I'd like to – I was going to ask you uh, about the the potential threats to the voiceover industry, but I think you already touched on that with AI. So what I am going to say is what is your vision or your prognosis for – where voiceover is going in into the the future? It's a good question. Uh, I, I may not have the, the 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 pulse of the whole industry, but I, I can see uh, AI taking up a lot of the low value stuff. Um, but when there's somebody's producing some content, now I know I'm not I'm not naive. What I do is is except for radio and maybe telephony, it's always the last thing of some project. It's the last thing of an e-learning. It's the last thing of a corporate video. It's the last thing of a TV commercial. It's the last thing that's done. The producers, directors who are producing the content, who want that human-to-human connection, will always go for humans. It will be it, it, because it's been a, a crazy few years with thousands of people coming into the industry because of COVID, um, and also st- stage and screen actors over the over through COVID set up home studios because they they were out of work for three or two years. There's so many more talent, but from what I hear, there's all, so much more work between all these different channels, YouTube channels and whatnot. So. Um, I think there's still going to be, knock on wood, a, a, a nice, healthy industry 10 years from now. 
better be because I need to be working 10 years now. Um, but it'll change. It'll change. And and who knows what kind of, I mean, all the things we see today, uh, Netflix, Amazon, Apple, all these companies, they didn't exist 20 years ago. So who's who, who knows what's going to happen 10 or 15 or 20 years from now. But I still think the human connection, which it all boils down to, if a company or an organization wants to connect with an audience, they're going to need humans in some aspect, whether or not it's on screen or voice, they're going to need humans. That was a wonderful, wonderful question. So I normally say um, thank you. Thank you, David. I normally say thank you first, and it was absolutely wonderful. So it is good night from me. And good night from me. And thank you from me. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Check us out at www.nextgenbusinesspodcast.com.